0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa rakatu. May the peace, mercy, and blessings of Allah be with you. In alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu, ahmaduhu, wa nastaynahu, wa nastaghfiru, wa na'awudu billahi min and anfusina, wa min Atina malana. Mayadla Lahu fala la Lahu, man Yudilla fala hadiya lahu, wa an la ilaha wahtahu, la sharikala. وَاشَدُوَنَّ عَبَدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ Praise be to Allah. We seek God's help and God's forgiveness. We seek refuge with Allah from the evil of our own souls and from our bad deeds. Whomsoever Allah guides will never be led astray. And whomsoever Allah leaves astray, no one can guide. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, the One, having no partner, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's slave and messenger. O you who believe, fear Allah as God should be feared, and die not except as Muslims. O you who believe, fear Allah, and always say a word directed to truth. Before I begin my khutbah today, I want to thank the sisters who staff the Women's Masjid and make it possible for their commitment and patience, especially for their patience with me. And thank you, Sister Hasna, for your leadership and dedication to the masjid all of these years, for five years, and for your generous guidance through this process. My dear sisters, it is an honor to be with you here today and a humbling experience to deliver today's khutbah. Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most glorified and exalted, has granted each of us the opportunity to attend Salatul Jummah, to reflect on the week that has passed, and to plan for the week that is ahead. Today is a day we seek forgiveness for our shortcomings and are forgiven. Today, we come together to enjoy the beautiful fellowship of our ummah, our community, and to feel grounded in a sense of belonging. Today is also a day that we are, inshallah, God willing, reminded of our covenant with our creator, that we are to worship Allah and Allah alone. Right now, at least where we're geographically located in the northern hemisphere, we have entered into a new season, the season of winter. A time characterized by darkness, for its shorter days and longer nights. A time of cold, and for some, the wintry cold and snow can be grueling. It is a time when the earth is seemingly dead. There's no vegetation, and the animals retreat into hibernation until the first signs of spring. We all experience this natural winter, and while the intensity and hardship that winter may bring us is different for each of us, depending on where we live, so I currently live in Washington DC and I have to dress in much heavier clothing. Uh, I occasionally have to deal with shoveling snow. So winter impacts me much more than it does for those of you living here in Los Angeles. And but certainly not to the degree of someone living in the Great Lakes or the Dakotas. Um, but subhanAllah, God is perfect. On my way here, I noticed that you guys have beautiful snow capped mountains uh, at an elevation that I haven't seen since I was a child growing up here. It's beautiful. My point is, is that we are now, here in winter, a time traditionally characterized by hardship. In today's khutbah, I'd like us to reflect upon the season of winter, to draw an analogy to the vicissitudes and seasons of our own spiritual lives. The seasons that we experience, in particular, I want to talk about the concept of a spiritual winter a time when we are faced with hardship and adversity, when life simply gets too difficult. We all have and will experience spiritual winters in our life all throughout the year, regardless of what season it is outside. But I want to use this time of the natural winter to reflect on this particular spiritual experience. Spiritual winters are a time when we may feel as though our duas and prayers go unanswered, and the feelings of prolonged disappointment, frustration, and anger, and even bitterness began to seep into our hearts. I want to talk about this time when we truly experience human frailty, when we long for something in this world, even a thing that is considered halal to us or permitted, something that we may even believe is good and best for us. We long for that thing, and we've convinced ourselves and in our mind that it is our right to have that thing. We may invest enormous effort into making that thing happen, doing everything seemingly right to make that one thing come into existence, yet only to find our efforts seemingly futile, that that thing fails to materialize in our lives. I'm talking about the things in life that we simply have no control over. For some of us, The distance between what we want and what we desperately plead for in our du'as and what we receive in response to our du'as may make us question our iman, our faith, and our trust in Allah. We find ourselves questioning the wisdom of the one who created us and what is all around us. It is a time when we are forced to confront ourselves and our relationship with God when we question whether or not we really believe in what we say we believe in, and the promises of our Lord in the Quran. In these times, we experience that mortal frustration of not knowing our fate. For some of us, this time is deeply unsettling. It's grueling and it's bitter, just like winter weather. Some of us find ourselves ruminating on the question, well, what is the point of what I'm going through? Am I not good enough for what I'm asking for? Am I not praying hard enough? What is the elusive moral lesson I'm supposed to derive from my unmet expectations? During these spiritual winters, we sometimes tell ourselves that once we finally get the thing that we want, we'll be sincerely grateful. That once we get the thing we are asking for, that we will truly be satisfied. As if that one thing will make everything right in our lives. As if the thing itself has more value in and of itself than the difficulty and struggle and sometimes sorrow of enduring through hardship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah of the Holy Quran, Verily we shall put you to a test with some fear, hunger, with some loss of wealth, lives, and offspring. And O Muhammad, convey good tidings to those who are patient, who say when inflicted by hardship, verily we are of God, and verily to God shall we return. Upon them is the blessings of Allah and God's mercy. And again, Allah reminds us in another verse that none of us who proclaim our faith will not be tested. In Surah An-Kabut, in the second ayah, Allah says, Do people think they will be left alone after saying we believe without being put to the test? Allah has promised each of us that we will be tested with hardship, whether it be fear, hunger, loss of wealth, or offspring. The question is not if we will be tested, but when, how often, and for how long. Now I wanna reflect a little bit on a spiritual winter that I experienced that lasted for several years where I personally experienced the full range of human emotion, from sadness, to anger, to frustration, to questioning, why me? Feeling a sense that li- my life had been cheated somehow, that somehow I was undeserving of this trial Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was testing me with. For several years in my marriage, I dealt with infertility. For years, I desired in the depth of my heart and in my life, a child of my own. I had dreamed about having a child of my own, even before I was married. And then a time came in my life where I was confident that I was ready. There was a mental checklist I had created and I had quickly checked off most of the things on them. I was at the age I wanted to be when my husband and I would start trying. I was where I wanted to be in my career and in my five-year plan. And I had already picked out the names of our children, unbeknownst to my husband. Now, when you rationalize to yourself that you're ready, naturally, of course, that's exactly when you're supposed to get pregnant. Having a child in my life at that point was so real to me that I had already rehearsed in my mind the conversations that I would have with my child on any number of topics. I knew exactly the type of child that I wanted to raise. I mean, I even had the audacity to judge other parents under my breath about how they raised their kids, or failed to discipline them. I was smug in my own belief that I would naturally be a better parent. For many couples, this is exactly how it works out for them. They actually invest more time and energy into not getting pregnant than getting pregnant. Yet despite my best planning and surety and my own competence of being a parent, it didn't happen for me for months at a time and then years. The medical tests all confirmed that I had diminished ovarian reserve. Multiple doctors confirmed that I could not get pregnant naturally. For those of you who may have dealt with infertility or are currently dealing with it, you know well the layers of complexity with this diagnosis, how physically exhausting and emotionally discouraging the whole experience can be. All the while, casual comments are made all around you about your ticking biological clock and as an added bonus, you get to deal with the social stigma of being labeled infertile and deal with the ridiculous shroud of shame and hush-hushness that surrounds this as a woman's issue. And then, because of the culture of not speaking openly about infertility, and because, frankly, it's very painful for those experience it to talk about it, the overall effect is that no one knows how to talk about the subject. I try to raise the subject in social settings only to be met with either pity, ignoring the subject altogether, an awkward silence, a quick change of topic, or worse, I even had someone casually scoot away from me for fear that somehow, deep down inside of me, I was really jealous of what they had and would put nuzer or evil eye on them. Throughout my struggles with infertility, however, I did connect with friends who were dealing with infertility. And without a doubt, their support helped me get through it, to exchange medical notes with them, to express fears and coping strategies. We even exchanged unused medication worth thousands of dollars. Yet for me, as grateful as I was and still am for having these friends, I craved a deeper comfort and solace that only the one who creates life, and that created my body, could give me. I was still frustrated at why everyone else could get pregnant except me, why people who didn't even want children could get pregnant but not me. And in the seemingly hopeless months when my period arrived, or when too few eggs matured, or when cells failed to divide, or ultimately when the embryos failed to survive, I needed to turn to my creator. Of course, I knew intellectually at least that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was testing me. And I dutifully recited the dua that every Muslim couple dealing with infertility recites. The prayer of Prophet Zakariya Rabbi habli min ladunka dhuriatina tayyabatina innaka sami'a My Lord, grant me from thee good offspring. Surely thou art the hearer of prayer. But in my heart, I struggled. I struggled to come to terms with this trial from Allah that Allah was teaching me. That I was supposed to be changed, to be molded and shaped and transformed through this test. That this test may, in fact, have demands upon me as a person who says, I believe. This became clear to me as I reflected upon the second part of verse 186 in Surah Al-Baqarah. And when my servants ask you, O Muhammad, concerning me, indeed I am near, I respond to the invocation of the supplicant when they call upon me. So let them respond to me by obedience and believe in me that they may be rightly guided. The second part again is, so let them respond to me and believe in me that they may be rightly guided. So yes, Allah did hear my prayers and there was in fact no distance between us. Even more, Allah was responding to my duas, but was I responding to what God was asking from me? Was I doing what God was telling me to do to help me through this test. Now in saying this, I don't mean to imply that if I did X thing, then Allah would grant my prayer like a genie, but through my trial and all of our trials, Allah is pulling us back to Allah, reminding us of Allah's nearness to us, reminding us of our purpose on this earth to worship Allah. This is where I think it is important to remind ourselves of the verses and stories of our prophets. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with each of them, which are replete with loss and hardship. Like the grueling hardship experienced by Prophet Ayub, wasalam, who had attained incredible success in this life, beauty, wealth, family, and status, only to have all of it taken away and then to suffer from a seemingly interminable sickness for years upon years. Or our beloved Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, may peace and blessings be upon him, who also experienced great adversity through his entire life, from being orphaned as a child, to his year of sorrow when he lost his uncle, Abu Talib, who was his only protector in tribal Makkah. Then to his beloved wife Hazrat Khadija, anh. may Allah be pleased with her, his comforter, his confidant, his partner—all of this loss, right in the midst of his prophetic mission, when all of Mecca was turned against him. For many of us, experiences such as theirs could understandably lead us, leave us resentful, angry, and bitter. Yet their character and responses are meant to be instructive for us. Through their immense suffering and hardship, we learn that the character of a believer is meant to be, that of patience and trust in Allah. And even when the weight of their hardships were on their back, Prophet Ayyub and Muhammad, peace be upon them, continued their mission and worship of Allah. Through their example, we are shown how we too can forbear through the challenges Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts before us. At the same time, when we hear these prophetic stories, we still wonder, how does one obtain their character, their patience in such adversity? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, in the case of Prophet Ayyub who prayed, truly adversity has afflicted me. You are most merciful of all who show mercy. Prophet Ayyub is saying, yes, I'm indeed being tried by Allah. He acknowledges what is happening to him and then goes on to respond to this, his affliction with a reminder to himself and to all of us that relief only comes from our Creator. So turn towards Allah. You are the most merciful of all who show mercy. I say these words of mine and I ask Allah for forgiveness. Alhamdulillah My thanks and gratitude belong to Allah, the Lord of all humankind. I ask Allah to bless and bestow peace on Prophet Muhammad. In the first half of my khutbah, I shared with you my experience of dealing with infertility to more vividly illustrate for you what a spiritual winter feels like when our own pain tests our faith and our trust in our Lord, when our duas go seemingly unanswered you each have experienced and are experiencing your own spiritual winters. However, I reminded us through ayat and verses in the Quran and through prophetic examples that indeed Allah is always listening and responding to our du'as. Pocket this in your heart from this day forward that Allah is always near. In this second half, I want to share with you three reminders that help us weather through these winters. The first reminder is that of gratitude, to have gratitude in our hearts, especially when we're prostrating in sujood, when your lips are trembling and you're sobbing as you say your duas to Allah. Allah reminds us repeatedly throughout the Quran that being grateful is a characteristic of a believer. In Surah Luqman, Allah says, and whoever is grateful, they are grateful only to benefit their own self. In this ayah, God assures us that God has no need for our praise. But in praising Allah and being mindful for what we have been given, we maintain our connection to Allah. And being grateful transforms us. Literally, researchers are studying how being in a state of gratitude neurologically rewires the brain. Researchers at Indiana University studying gratitude have found that people who are generally more grateful gave more money to a cause. They showed greater neural sensitivity in the medial prefrontal cortex, a brain area associated with learning and decision-making. This suggests that people are more grateful, are also more attentive to how they express gratitude. So in other words, gratitude makes you think and act differently in this world. It becomes the lens through which you see and understand this world and the trials put before you, and it in turn affects the people around you. For me, practicing gratitude became the medicine for my despair, which cultivated a greater awareness of my own path and purpose and compassion to support those around me in similar circumstances. Each remembrance I had in gratitude were the breadcrumbs that led me back to my creator, that warmed my soul, and eventually made my winter melt away. Being in a state of gratitude helped me sublimate my thoughts and kept me from spiraling out when the waves of emotion could easily overtake me. My second reminder is that we mustn't feel bad for being human. Expressing the emotions that well up inside of us when we experience hardship is okay. Yes, we strive for patience in the face of adversity like our prophets, but this develops over time and through the practice of gratitude. Name the emotions you feel in your du'as to Allah and pray for mercy like our prophet Ayub Third and lastly, We do not have to give up on our hopes and prayers. I'll say it again. We do not have to give up on our hopes and prayers. In the cases of Prophet Zakaria and and Prophet Ibrahim they were unfaltering in their prayers for a child well into old age. But what we cannot do is let ourselves become so fixated on the thing that we're praying for that we ignore our responsibility to others to ease the difficulties and suffering of of others, or fail to recognize the blessings Allah is manifesting in our lives. Again, those who practice gratitude are more likely to give from what they have. For some of us, our du'as may be answered in this life. After remaining steadfast, or even as a test in themselves, for others of us, the answers to our du'as may be postponed to the hereafter. And yes, that can be tough. But know that Allah's promise is true as demonstrated through the stories of our prophet. Your steadfastness will strengthen you and you will be rewarded in the hereafter, inshallah, God willing. Just like in winter, it's hard to get up and to get out and accomplish the things you need to do when it's bitter cold outside but life continues even in winter. Your life and spiritual journey must continue as well. Remember that the thing that you may desire is not the gift you need, but who the trial makes you become. Anything that I have said today that is good and true comes from Allah alone, and to God are all praises due. If I have said anything displeasing to you, Ya Allah, please blot it from the minds of those listening today and replace it with what will nourish their souls. Ya Allah, we ask that you give us nothing more than that which we can bear, and that we are reminded of your closeness through the test you place before us. Rabbana atina fid hasanatun, hasanatun, Our Lord, grant us the good of this world and the hereafter, and protect us from the torment of the fire. Our Lord, do not place a burden on us, like the ones that you've placed before us. Our Lord, do not burden us with what we cannot bear. Pardon us, forgive us, and have mercy on us. You are our only guardian, so grant us the victory over the disbelieving people. Ya Allah, please let us be agents of positive change in this world, and to achieve Isan or beauty in everything that we strive to do. Ya Allah, let us hear and respond to the call of our sisters and brothers here in our home and across the world who are suffering from the consequences of a world order built on war, environmental degradation, greed, and racism. And we pray and in solidarity with the native and indigenous, African, Afro-descendant communities from Standing Rock to Colombia, Kenya, Palestine, and South Africa, and all other communities Fighting for protection of our land and for the benefit of our people. Amin. Wa salah. Let us perform salah.